Look, it's still in its little embryonic stage, oh, so it's growing. <laughs> it's very slowly growing. Yeah. I feel like sometimes you get momentum, and you're you're really you've got a lot of energy, and you're you know you're really progressing, and then suddenly you go, oh, I want to take a break from it for a minute. Yeah. Let it germinate. I'll yeah. come back to it. Cool. Then you come back to it, re-energize, and that's when it really. Whoom. Have you gone back to it though? I've gone back to it. Yeah. In the oh. last probably in the last kind of couple of weeks, I've been mapping out some some topics and trying to figure out a bit of a strategy. I also think you just have to get started. Yeah. Sometimes you think you're going to think about it for a long time and then so you're just true. never going to do it. Yeah. You're never going to get anywhere if you wait around. So I think I, I just have to jump in and figure out the rest mm. as it all comes together. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I think that is the biggest stumbling block as well for like anyone who wants, like a hey, COVID prime example yeah everyone's got all this time on their hands and there's probably a lot of creative individuals out there that are thinking i should do that idea or i have mm. this business idea and i wonder how many people actually had the time to just start it yeah to just get on with it otherwise you just you delay because tomorrow seems like a better day to start something exactly and actually in ip talking to someone who does um intellectual property patents essentially yeah and he was saying that it's been their busiest time and i think it's because because like back in the crash um the wall street crash yeah it was 08 09 that's actually what was born like instagram yeah so like massive things came and this was like now another accelerant for those who had the time to just pause sit back and start something so and think about all that imagine if we could all work from home forever you would save let's calculate it's about an hour and a half in the morning and an hour in the afternoon between getting ready and commuting mm. that's two and a half hours a day you could invest Jeez. in a passion project mm. imagine how happy people would be if they could spend if they had more time to spend on passion projects and things that really got them excited not saying that your job can't be your passion project because you know it certainly can be you can find you can ha you can be employed in a place where you're doing things that you really love every day but it's also nice to do things for you and not for a business sometimes yeah you know not for work it feels like it's it's a treat when you get to do it for yourself like a little bit of writing or a little bit of podcasting you know so because you're in the marketing industry yeah have you had a lot of people come in with like new ideas starting new businesses and trying to launch it we work with established businesses okay. mostly so a lot of it's been trying to kind of pivot <laughs> word of 2020 That's trying to pivot a little bit around the covid situation because it's something that nobody's ever gone through before it was mm. it was a lot there were a lot of discussions around how do we communicate to our customers what do we say what's appropriate how are customers feeling everything we put out it was like wait if I'm a customer that's undergoing difficulty and hardship, how am I going to feel when I read this message? Is it too light? Is it too frivolous? Does it not take my situation seriously enough? Um, so to, in order to avoid disconnect with existing quite large, quite large corporate brands, we really had to try to establish this sort of almost sanitized, 
sanitized COVID tone mm. for the first three months that everybody else kind of came out with at that time. And now we've eased into it and we're communicating in a little bit with a little bit more jest and a little bit more vibrancy because yeah, I would like push the edges a little bit. Yeah, more daring and trying to stand out, maybe. That's it, and all, and I think it's mostly because we're really lucky to be in not just Australia but Western Australia. Mm. Western Australia is doing so, you know, doing so well in comparison to the rest of the world that I think we have the ability to communicate to our customers in a more joyful way because, well. Things you know, are so good here. Things are things are pretty pretty normal, you know. So yeah, so we've been able to move back, but it was a little bit of a rocky start yeah. there. Oh, there goes an airplane. <laughs> Actually, so give me an example of something that you have done recently that's like expanding out of COVID comfort zone into something a little more daring. That's COVID related? No, it doesn't have to be. But like a business who are like trying to pivot, redirect, adjust mm. to the climate. Has there been a significant one? Or has it been like this slow, just a slow mis like redirection on the path? I'll be honest with you, it's been business as usual. The first three months were the most COVID centric months of marketing and advertising. But in WA, it's really gone back to normal we're we're really operating as, as BAU as possible mm. at the moment so everything is like nothing's really COVID centric in our advertising we've gone back to normal business strategy and and yeah. you know and advertising the businesses or, or the companies or the services or the products as as normally as we would have pre-COVID yeah okay actually thinking <laughs> I saw an ad for um for Mark McGowan's because like the premier is obviously having to, they're doing a relaunch of their campaign. And I was like, who even knows what the other guy's called? I kind of feel sorry for the other side. Oh, Zach Kirkup. Yeah, I kind of just, that's it. I felt sorry for them because the prem, the current premier has had so much exposure. That you couldn't have almost asked for a better opportunity to boost your awareness to what you do and and how much power you've got. I kind of felt sorry for the guy. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, I can't comment on political matters, mm. unfortunately. That's all right. <laughs> Very uh, well established in the marketing <laughs> realm that you are, Mr. Witts. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, give us an example. To those who are listening, and let's say they've been running, because actually I know a few, quite a few different companies. You got a lot of people who are like in coaching, speaking, um, providing various services or products, what would be like some of the base points? Like if some, if you were like, you know, doing the full view of what someone brings to the marketplace, like a full scope, like clean the slate clean, how, like what are the big elements or the rocks that you try and tackle? To establish a business in the market. Yeah. I would say the first thing would be you really have to nail what you stand for. What is that unwavering thing you stand for? Mm. And can you say it in a short and sweet sentence? So work out your strategy before you go into, you know, people want to rush into business name and people want to rush into logo design because that's the sexy stuff. Yeah. No, what do you stand for as a business? What is that one thing that you offer to your customers or what are the services, products, whatever it is that you offer, widgets, 
what is that one thing that, that differentiates you in the market in that particular industry? Mm. So you have to establish that because that will sit at the center. If you imagine kind of a globe, yeah. the core of it is what you, your value proposition. What is the value that you offer your customers? Then on the outside, we have all of the little onion layers. We've gone from a globe to an onion. <laughs> we have the little <laughs> onion layers that sit around that that are all the things that dress your value proposition. So your business name and where you're going to operate. Will you be bricks and mortar? Will you be online? Uh, what's you know What does your logo look like? What's your color scheme? What's everything that everybody else sees? But in the center of it, they have to feel something. Yeah. And that's that value proposition. That's what you offer. So I always tell people, start with the value proposition, what sets you apart first and foremost, and then everything else fleshes out and builds out of that. Mm. And I think also the really important thing is working in advertising, people always seem to have a, <laughs> I always imagine people would have a really great reaction when I said, oh, I work in advertising. Oh. And I imagine people would be like, wow, my gosh, Madman, that's so cool. Like, wow. <laughs> Having martinis what a great at in the morning. Oh, definitely, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> More like water and triple shot expressos, but um, but yeah, no, it's it's interesting. People's reaction seems to be so uh, kind of negatively geared in advertising, a bit ugh, like oh, it's mm. a bit dirty. It's a bit of a dirty word. Why? Oh, you're selling me things I don't want. And mm. I say to people, I look them straight in the eye and I go, "We are not selling you anything you don't want." All my purpose is essentially to make a business prosper and succeed, right? Businesses offer products, they offer services. I want them to be successful because at the center of all of those businesses, no matter what you sell, no matter what service you offer, are more people. Mm. Those people have families, they have goals, they have ambitions. I want them to all stay employed. So whatever it is that you're offering, I'm just trying to connect that product or service with a person or a customer that needs that product or service. So what is that customer, what problem does that customer have that needs solving? And how does your product or service do that for them? Yeah. So if you see an ad that you think, oh, I really like that. I'm not selling you anything you didn't want. I'm connecting something that you desired, be that I need those new sneakers because they're gonna make me feel like I fit in more with my friends. I'm connecting a desire to fit in with an apparel item. Or maybe, oh, that coaching program looks really interesting. I'm connecting a desire to be, to be better, to evolve, to you know, develop personally or professionally with a service that somebody's offering in coaching. So all you're doing is simply connecting a problem or an opportunity with a product or a service. Mm. So it's nothing you don't want, really. You have yeah. to question your deep down desires when so you see an ad and you feel attracted to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that makes complete sense. So where do you think this, um, you know, enemy from behind the lines, or wh where's this issue come across where people think that you, yeah, you're this gremlin that you're trying to push them into this dark unknown that they don't want to be in? I think people don't realize the, I guess the, people generally connect this ideology with buying things they don't want. I don't. I, I don't actually advertise a, a, a lot of products. I mostly advertise services or utilities in the government space. But for products in particular, I think people tend to get really stuck on the fact that they've overspent in a store, mm -hmm. and they get cognitive dissonance, the immediate feeling of regret, and this gut wrenching. Oh, I shouldn't have spent four hundred dollars on a pair of sneakers, when really. There was some sort of a desire there. Nobody forced you to buy that. There was a desire there that needed to be fulfilled. 
And that's a question you need to ask yourself as a person. Well, if I'm feeling so negatively towards having bought that product and I'm going to blame advertising for that, really you should kind of look you know, introspectively and, and question, well, okay, what else is going to fulfill me? Maybe should I work on my confidence? Should I work on appreciating the things I have? Or maybe buying less and looking after my things with a lot of care so that they last longer, so that I feel well-dressed and I feel like I can fit in. But it comes down to a very different, you know, a very, very different matter that's separate to advertising. It's just how people feel about themselves. And I think social media is a massive influencer on that mm. because we constantly see you know, people that we now call influencers, content producers, you know, showing off the latest shoes, the latest dresses, but most of them get that for free. They're there to promote the items because those items fit in with their brand, but it doesn't mean you have to have a dress for every occasion. It doesn't mean you can't rewear your shoes. It doesn't mean, you know, you, you, yeah, you can't outfit repeat an event. You, you most certainly can because we're normal. We're humans, right? Yeah. We, you know, live in a little bit of a consumerist society where we feel like we have to constantly be replacing the things we have when really the things we have with some good care will actually last a lot longer. So I think confidence is at the center of it and certain perceptions of society are maybe tweaking our, our, our perception of ourselves and the things we should uh, have mm. a little bit. You touched on a point that I just thought about when you said um, consumers, you know, going out buying things that makes it feel good. And then I don't know why, but Afterpay, like, hit me. And I that, I just, I am so intrigued. I actually met someone mm. the other night who was one of the founders for Afterpay. Yeah. I was like, one... Since I completely forgot it was like, you know, uh, yeah, an Australian <laughs> thing as well. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But the fact that people have no uh, understanding nor just self-control, I yeah. think it's probably just the self-control that, you know, if I, I love the Jim Rohn, Jim um, uh, what's it called? Um, one of his little sayings was like, if you can't buy it twice, you don't mm. buy it at all. I love that. Yes. Love that. I live by that. Yeah. yeah. Such a good rule. Yeah. Um, and especially if you're like in for like building wealth and hustling and like, you know, growing as a, as a person, but, um, and your empire, whatever it may be. But the fact that like, yeah, Afterpay comes along and it's doing big things, mm. but on such a micro level that everyone can buy, you know, a $400, $200 pair of shoes and they can split over four payments. So easy. Yeah. No, there's no stumbling blocks. There's no big hurdles you have to overcome. But it's just like everyone keeps falling. And I didn't realize, like, how many fees people are getting charged because mm. they can't maintain those smaller payments. No. I just go, like, hasn't COVID taught anything? to the general population like if you have to be out of work for three months you should have a buffer yeah but no one's having a buffer mm. it, it feels like it i could be completely wrong but it's yeah. just like observing and i'm just seeing afterpay just skyrocket because shopping online is also easy which is great for businesses who are selling online but i just afterpay oh my goodness I think Afterpay was, I mean, I'm, I'm not, and look, I don't know the, the history of Afterpay and why it was originally created. I found it an interesting idea because, mm. again, you're thinking someone's, someone sat there and went, okay, what's a problem and opportunity our customers are having? 
they're, they have an event suddenly before payday, they've run out of cash because maybe there are high, uh, university students that are you know, living kind of paycheck to paycheck, not working full time, maybe working part time. They suddenly have an event that they want to be impressive at, look good at, and they can't afford to buy that dress or the birthday present or X, Y, and Z, whatever it is that they need. So we're going to create a service that allows them to borrow yeah. just enough funds to cover the product get it shipped they can use it before they even have to pay for it yeah uh, but you're right the problem is a lot of people can't then make the payments or worse they're using the product right they're using the dress yeah. or or they're giving the, the present before they've even had to make their first payment mm. which can be don't you have problematic. to make the first payment I, d I don't know but mm. isn't it every is it covered off in Four installments? Yeah, something like that. So I maybe you make, make the, the first, first installment. Yeah. But let's say it's a quarter of the price. So they make the first installment, but they haven't even paid it off before they've used the product. Yeah, exactly. So again, cognitive dissonance, if that sets in. Yeah. There's a feeling of I've already used that. Where it's like saying I'm gonna I'm gonna have breakfast, I'll pay for it, or I won't pay for it, I'll eat it. Yeah. And then I'll pay for it four weeks later. You've forgotten the joy that you had from eating the breakfast. Mm. So the whole the cycle is disrupted because suddenly you're having to pay for something that you've already enjoyed and you're already coveting the next thing. Yeah. So you're so kind true. of in a cycle of constant covet that keeps you moving forward and continues, you know, makes you continue using the service. So, yeah. so it's a little bit of a, a covet cycle use, you know? Yeah, that's so so it's an interesting service. I, I definitely think there's demand for that kind of product. Is it right? Do the people that get into those agreements understand what they're getting into that's a whole that's a oh, whole other totally matter insane, and that's sure. a financial that's a kind of financial yeah. matter at this stage yeah. it's i'm sure it'll do you know how it'll be actually started it wasn't wow. anything to do with that it was oh. actually a service that they created to set up uh, for servicing atms oh it was a software atm yeah they were like a so an atm software provider yeah and then they re they were called something else renamed and then went and just completely, again, pivoted to a totally different direction wow. and went and did what we now know as Afterpay. Yeah, and look, super successful. It's on pretty mm. much any website you go on. Yeah. Highly successful service and, and definitely exists to meet a demand. Yeah. So if anyone that uses the service complains about the service, there was a need in the first place. Yeah. Ba remember back to the first time you ever <laughs> used Afterpay and question why you needed it and that's exactly why the service is there. Yeah, I only used it once. Yeah. It was years ago. And I was, only because someone said, oh, yeah, you could do it in four payments. I went, well, that suits cash flow. Yeah. I'll give it a go. I'd completely <laughs> forgotten about it. Wouldn't even know my logins. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was handy at the time, but I wasn't a repeating customer. No, that's it. I think some people would probably be in that constant cycle. Yeah. It just, yeah, I think it gets to a point where if you're using it pretty regularly, then what's the difference between that and a credit card? I guess maybe you don't need to go through the same I don't know what the checks are I don't know what the differences lower, are yeah it's a lower um barrier to entry yeah set up instead of a credit card because they want to know like you know essentially your firstborn child's name it's <laughs> <laughs> um, getting all your assets yeah. how much is your income yeah. blah 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 um but yeah that's I think yeah but there's a lot of liabilities that credit oh yeah, kind of interesting. Because mm. you're also buying a product and then not yeah. really paying for it until after, potentially no, after you've used it. But interest rates are higher, I think, like with credit cards. I think. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, do, I, I wouldn't know if Afterpay has interest rates. Do they offer? Do they? Have yeah. So if you can't make a payment. Yeah. 
There's an interest rate. Oh, so it's a penalty. So there's, an there's a penalty. Penalty, yeah. okay. That makes sense. There that you have to pay. Well, and maybe that's, that's it. Maybe there's no, there's no interest. There's a penalty. So that maybe yeah. that's the appeal. Yeah. Because you're essentially paying just the cost of the product or service with no interest. Yeah. Oh, but I guess with a credit card, if you paid off, you also don't know. Well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but interesting anyways for the consumer cycle. Very interesting. And it's a service yes. that has been created, obviously pivoted. But mm. it had to have been, that idea had to have been born out of a need for people. For to sure. meet people's demand for for goods before their paycheck arrives. Well, yeah, the whole ATM world isn't quite succeeding. At, well, it, wow. it's changing, right? Yeah, so we're like a cashless society. Their, yeah, Apple Watches, yeah. they've got on their rings, people got chips in their arms, whatever it takes. But... <laughs> They're all doing that. Mm. Actually, so previously we spoke about um, uh, branding for big companies and yeah. if they would survive now. One of the ones that we discussed was like Coca-Cola yeah. and the script that you just don't like. <laughs> <laughs> Controversial. <laughs> Ooh. I, I, I do wonder. There are so many brands that I look at, really big, well-known brands. Everybody knows. Everybody loves. You could recognize without with a different font, but just the, if the color was there or if the script was there, you'd recognize them as separate yeah. pieces or elements of the logo. But it's so interesting. I've been through so many rebranding proce uh, projects recently you know, you sit in a room and you have a group of people going, ah, oh, I don't like that, I don't like that, oh, I'm not sure about that, I don't know, or what's a customer going to think about that, should we put it through testing, how many test rounds should we do, and blah. Okay, on that, yeah. how many test rounds does someone do? <laughs> we'll get back to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to that. I mean, and this is it, it's, everything is subjective, right? right. We all bring our personal biases to... Sure. To to meetings like that, you go. Oh, the like color the purple. Side? Oh, everybody. You, okay. me, the client, the customers. Everybody's going to bring in their own personal biases into yeah, the room. Okay. You're never really sitting there going, oh, you know, oh, I think you know, purple reminds me too much of the Cadbury purple, and like if it has something, mm. if if it has, if it makes logical sense rather mm. as to why you're you're deciding to change something, then yes, like if we're in the chocolate category and we're creating a logo that's purple. You're going to go, let's look at our competitors. Ooh, purple seems to be taken. That's pretty reasonable. A reasonable reason to say let's steer away from purple. But to say I personally don't like the color purple because when I was little, um, you know, my favorite, no, my least favorite teacher's favorite color was purple, then, well, <laughs> you know, that's on you. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, you have to think about what's best for the brand. And it's really interesting because you look at these massive logos and you think, would they pass the test now? Mm. If I was presenting the Coca-Cola logo to my client in the soft drink industry right now, how many people would have a say in not sure about the font, not sure about the colors, mm, don't know, does a polar bear really fit in with our aesthetic? You know, there's so many things that are perceptive and I think brands have to be pretty brave in trusting their gut. You know, yeah. when you look at a group of logos, if you're presented with four or five different logos, your gut will often tell you what direction feels quite right. Unless there's something really pointed and really logical, like a competitor has a similar logo, or you think the color won't really work in this space, then no problem. Like, you should change that. But anything else, it really comes down to this gut instinct of just trying to put your personal biases aside and going, what's going to work best for the business based on my understanding of what we're offering? Mm and going with that but yeah it's interesting you look at some old logos and you think well I don't know if they pass the test which now. ones would thinking back what logos 
would you go, ooh, would it, if it was a new product or brand to the market right now, yeah. what would be some of those, you'd probably question. Windows. Mm. You know, windows. I mean, great. Is this still the window look? Well, it, it was the win It was a window yeah. look. But I think if you were to present, say, a modern version of that now, you'd yeah. probably get a you know a marketer in the room going, that feels a bit literal. You know? <laughs> oh, windows for windows. That's uh, you yeah. know, you're giving me something, yeah, something yeah, that's yeah. pretty obvious. Why have I paid for this? <laughs> or <laughs> Apple with a bitten apple. You know, you think, wow. <laughs> groundbreaking but but they work I mean they obviously at the time someone went gut instinct yes that works that's going to represent us really nicely and they've lived on they've endured but I do wonder which ones would pass the test in a boardroom oh, nowadays so interesting. We, we just spend way more time you know dwelling on it and tweaking it and to a point where it's kind of it loses its original for sure its original concept yeah you know yeah Okay, so going back, yes. So if someone was rebranding, because mm -hmm. you and I have spoken a lot about, you know, in other conversations, yeah, all the work that you've done for so many different clients in so many different genres, like it's crazy. And you're very good at what you do. Cause yeah. I've seen your work. Oh, thank you. Um, so what? Uh, I've got like a few of your clients sort of sitting in my head. So when you go and through, and you mentioned the testing. Mm -hmm. How many testing, like, talk me through that. For a brand or for a campaign? Let's go brand. Yeah. So we're talking about brands. Yeah. So I, I'm of the opinion yeah. that you, <laughs> I don't want this to bite me <laughs> in the future, <laughs> but at the moment, okay. based on my experience going through lots of different, you know, brand new, it's a brand new uh, brand, brand identity yeah. developments, brand new brand identity developments for uh, brands. So starting from, from the scratch, right? So we're not redoing a logo. We're actually just starting from scratch, new product, new service, or you're rebranding entirely. Sure. When you go through that process, I feel like it works best to go to really just trust your marketing team, your board, and the agency. They should be kind of at the core. Mm -hmm. They understand the business. They know what you offer. They understand your customers. You can't, it's difficult to give concepts or show concepts to customers because customers are consumers of the product or service. They're not necessarily there for the color or the logo or the font. They'll recognize it and it's important, but they don't have that background. Yeah. Uh, they, they're, they're not marketers. They don't know what's going to work. They don't know what they're going to like until they see it. The moment you give them a choice, mm. it's it, it's different with a campaign, though, because a campaign, you need them to action something off the back of that. So if you're asking them to, say, for example, uh, you're asking them to apply, apply for, I'm trying to think of a... <laughs> of something that you could do that's not related to one of my clients. You're trying to ask them to buy a product, right? So what's going to encourage them to buy that product? You've probably done a lot of thinking on the back end of that as to what's, you know, how you're going to sell the benefit, the product or the service based on what they need. So they might be able to give you a little bit of an insight. Oh, for me, it would work to talk to me like this. Oh, I'd rather you be a little bit more humorous. So I really like that territory because it it appeals to my emotions, you mm. know? So say you're talking about seatbelts. You go, ooh, that really appeals to my emotion about feeling safe and secure. So seatbelts or new tires are going to do that for me. So I need you to be emotional and not funny about it. So they can give you a bit of a steer as to what they, they want to hear in an ad, but I think when it comes down to a logo, they won't know what they're going to like until they see it. Sure, okay. That's really up to the core marketing group, the board, company director, 
managers and the agency. So you have to trust the expertise and the, and the knowledge of those teams yeah. to deliver on that. Okay. No, that makes complete sense. So when you get to that, so you've gone through all that testing. Hmm. Um, how many rounds? Like, when you say testing, are you saying, like, go to the, like, do a population test to see how it goes out? Campaigns? Well, let's go to campaigns now. Actually, yeah, let's go to campaigns because I'm actually really interested as well in, like, how you and your team tackle, like, if you go to campaigns, I know you've done some really big high-profile ones, um, and this this is really important, I think, for a lot of people who are going, you know, they have to, it's a lead generation, right? Or it's an awareness campaign yeah. or it's a lead generation campaign. But an awareness campaign leads to lead generation. Like, it all goes around. So, how, yeah, talk me through that. Yeah. How you and your team, because I know there's so many people can take it in different ways. So, yeah. So, I think with campaigns, it's really, oh, I think with anything in advertising, marketing, comms, it's really important that clients come to us with problems or opportunities. So, it's far, it's a, you're in a far greater space if you can get a client to say to you, Ooh, I have a bit of a problem. I'm not receiving as many applications for this really important job. You know, I'm not getting the outcome I need in, say, water saving. I'm not selling enough of X, Y, and Z widget. So they come to you with a problem, and you say, "Cool." Understanding what I know about your business because I've worked on your business for, you know, almost a decade. Understanding what I understand from your business. Understanding your cu your customers understanding your problem, I think we should do this. Yeah. So rather than coming and saying, oh, I need a press ad. Thank you. Please deliver a press ad. Uh, in some instances that works, but in other instances, is that really going to solve the problem? I'm not sure. Mm. So I think one of the greatest examples for us was a campaign we, we ran for Food Bank WA. Yeah. So wonderful, wonderful campaign. Um, highly successful, won awards at Cannes, the Festival of Creativity, International Festival of Creativity, awesome. so the highest level of awards, and it's just delivered great results for Food Bank WA. And that initially started off with a brief with, you know, we, we, we need a Christmas campaign to go into market as most, most charities operate in the Christmas space. That's a great time. People are really primed for giving and sharing, and it's a, it's a time for people to reflect on, you know, the life they live and what they can give to others to help make their lives mm. better. So starting off with a brief for, you know, for a, for a DM piece that turns into this campaign where we were able to put cereal boxes into local IGAs and encourage people to, to essentially grab that cereal box. We disrupted the cereal aisle. need to explain the idea better. But essentially we created a fake cereal brand called Hungry Puffs. Yeah. And it was a black and white box. So you walk into the cereal aisle, every cereal box is hyper-colored, you know, oof, super exciting. And suddenly you see this, this, this section of black and white boxes, and you think, what's that? And in the box was, uh, was a kid eating out of an empty cereal bowl. Oh. So you pick up that box, you take it to the counter, and that would be a donation to Food Bank. Oh, my gosh. So a That's really so cool. wonderful idea, a very simple idea to disrupt yeah. the cereal aisle because that's where, you know, most people are heading in during the Christmas period to do their Christmas shopping. 
It was an incredibly successful campaign for, for Food Bank WA, and that takes a really brave client. I mean, yeah. I didn't personally work on the campaign, but pretty much the whole agency touched it. It was an incredible project. It was such a passion project for the agency, and it takes a brave client to go, I've asked you for one thing, and you've delivered something totally different, but you know what? Yeah. We're going to go with it. So the bravest clients tend to get the greatest results because they're willing to step out of their comfort zone and accept that maybe their problem required a different solution to what they originally thought. Amazing. I'm just so in awe that that is just an incredible idea. But also it's implementation and outcome that you got, if you go, everyone goes food shopping, right? And you just pull whatever you down and it's just one extra item that you pay at the cash register. Yeah. Cha-ching. That's, that's incredible. It's very, it was a cool idea. And then the following year, Kellogg's got on board and actually did the printing and they created oh. the, the really big, you know, the massive cereal yeah. boxes. They, they ended up printing the really large cereal boxes so you could buy one and take it out to your friends and family and give it to them as a Christmas present as well, which was cool. It's like, I've made a donation on your behalf. Oh, that's a great idea. Are they still running that campaign? They've finished that campaign now, yes. Oh. I feel like there's just, that's just so cool. Feel like there's so much more opportunity. Oh, it was really great. <laughs> yeah, really great. Yeah. So, do you notice a big difference between, except for the amount of money that a really large corporation, because you work with companies, corporations that are essentially billion-dollar camp, you know, billion-dollar companies that are either rebranding down to smaller companies, is there a big difference between the two? on how they execute or make their decisions if they are rebranding or into yeah. a campaign? I think that's an interesting question because you're right, I have worked with the full scale from the from the smallest to the largest clients. I probably feel like the if you're gonna say smallest, the more, you know, nifty clients tend to they tend to be a lot more decisive. There are less rungs of, of approval, and they tend to be really, really decisive mm. and sharp with their feedback, and they'll, they'll you know, email you really concise feedback, and they want to keep those rounds of amends and the rounds of development quite tight because of generally budgetary reasons. You're working to a quite a set budget, and you really need to keep that tight. The kind of larger the organizations get, naturally, there are more rounds of approvals required because the levels of hierarchy in organizations get quite you know, they're, are, are quite significantly larger than when you've got, say, compared to a startup, right? Yeah. A startup versus a, a 3,000 person organization is going to be very different. So it's, I think it comes down to understanding the differences between those clients and building that into your process. Mm -hmm. So understanding that a larger client is going to have more more levels of approval, so you're going to have to build that into the time. You're not going to be turning around that logo design in two weeks. Yeah. Probably going to take a few months because that's a pretty, or, or, or more, because that's a pretty big process to go through. And if it needs to get approval in every phase, and every phase is going to require a round of feedback, then you're going to have to build that into the process. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's certainly a different process. And I'll be honest with you, no two are the same. You might do two for the same organization, one's super fast, and the other one is is slower for different reasons. Mm. It just doesn't get up faster. It gets stuck in the process somewhere. It gets deprioritized, and you have to kind of start again. Which one do you like working with more? Which, which bigger or smaller companies? I'll be honest with you. I love all of them. It's so bad. It's like picking your favorite oh, children. You know, but you know, how do you pick your favorite <laughs> child? You know, you don't say like, oh, Easy. I like this, oh, point. this one more than this one. <laughs> my first one more than my second one. No, I honestly, it's always. 
I think it's always the latest campaign that sticks with you the most. Yeah. So the latest one, you're like, oh, I just worked on that one. But then the moment you receive the brief for the next one, you're super pumped about that one, and you move on, and you're, you know, you're really into it. So, no, it's really hard to pick a favorite. Yeah. I love working with all scales, because they all have their benefits. The smaller ones, the bigger ones, they all have their, their, different, their different benefits of working in, in, those, in those different process styles. Uh, nice. <laughs> you have to ask your mother, like, who is your favorite child? They so have a favorite. Yeah, but they never Behind say closed it. doors. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to sink a, you know, sink a mic in between the couch seats. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Cool. <laughs> nice. So are there any cool upcoming campaigns or projects that you've got? And you're more than welcome if you'd like to uh, give them a shout out. Oh, look, I mean, I would say the latest one, I can speak about the latest one that's yeah. already launched because I can't really talk about the ones that haven't launched no, yet, sadly. Uh, but the latest one that launched was for the WA Police Force. Mm. A total passion, project of passion. They are, you know, wonderful. One of my clients and absolutely wonderful to, to work with. The things they do are just exceptional. Everyone I've met in the organization at every level is absolutely exceptional. And they are willing to put themselves on the line for us every single day without question they run towards the things we run away from. And I think that's so heroic. Yeah. And they're so humble about it. They're like, oh, it's part of my part of my job, just, just doing my job. You know, super, super humble. But they're exceptional, extraordinary individuals, you know, that service the community every day. Couldn't love them more. So it's it's really great when you're working with you're working with a group of people who are so committed to their cause. Uh, the campaign was to is it's will be in market again, but is to recruit more police officers to the police force. Mm. So essentially there has been a promise made to increase the number of police officers out on the front line and this requires more people to apply and more of the right kind of person. So what we wanted to do was create a campaign that showcases the breadth of services that they offer and the breadth of areas that they operate in. So it's not just frontline policing, but they also have the, you know, the canine squad they have uh, the mounted squad, bike squad. They have all these different squads, water police, that do different parts of the, the, you know, they make up different parts of the puzzle. So they all come together. And that's where our proposition came in for let's join forces. So all of them come together for one particular matter, right? Yeah. So no one matter requires just one officer. It requires a group of them to join forces to solve that problem or you know, try to find someone or there are, there are so many different matters. So they all come together, they join forces. So we wanted to show exactly what that looks like. They are the largest police jurisdiction in the world because of the, st the size of our state. Oh, really? The largest police jurisdiction in the world. So you think they have to cover, it's not just Perth Metro. They've got to go all the way up north and all the way down south and everything in between. They have to police the entire state and essentially have quite a large area to cover. So those services get really, you know, deployed into different areas in our state. Is that why there's such a need to increase the number of, you know, of new recruits? There are many reasons for that. One of them most recently being COVID. I mm. mean, the COVID response has required certainly more police officers out in the streets and it's required more police officers out in, uh, to patrol the the state borderlines as well. So with all of the increased regulations, there is a there is a more pressing need, but there are other reasons why they need to increase their numbers. So it's a really interesting challenge, and I think with that you want to be as authentic as you possibly can be in your communications. And I think we've achieved that. It's a really beautiful 
piece that you know gets my heart fluttering and certainly brings a tear to my eye every now and again you watch it and you think I've watched this so many times but it still uh, it just gets me really excited you know really excited about policing and it's just yeah it's really cool to see something out in market and see people's response to it how has been the response it's great you know they I think the police force do a great job in their social media they manage that themselves they have a wonderful tone of voice they're quite quite funny naturally but also serious when they have to be they have a really beautiful tone and their followers have adopted that they really go along with it they're speaking directly to them so they get they really jump on board with everything so they see the ad and they comment oh this is brilliant they tag their friends you know they want you should join this year they go I'm too young but I'll join next year it's really (laughs) nice to see everyone responding to the ad and kind of watching that happen live as we can do now with social media you don't have to wait for someone to tell you they think it's good you can actually read people's comments underneath and see, wow, that's cool. It's really nice that it's resonating with everyone. Yeah. And nice to see police officers share it too and feel proud about the work that they're doing. Exactly. Well, you practically met so many people behind the scenes, working with detectives, you know, the... Oh, what was the you, you had people jumping out of helicopters oh, it was doing the sea so rescue cool with the dogs yeah. doing, they don't do tricks but they, they, they obviously have very specific actions that they can perform to keep people safe so it's really interesting to see them do that it's uh, amazing. Bice, uh, the, the police officers on bikes in the cities and the CBD they've got a bicycle the yeah. push bikes you'd call them uh, so that they can be more nimble around the city and that's just cool like really there's something for everyone so when you have a in the city and i'm assuming like with a lot of cities they probably all react quite similar you've got people on bikes and you've got people on horses Mm -hmm. so is horses more for crowd control like what's they're there for different they're they're there for to perform different duties yeah yeah they're, they're there to perform different duties so they'll be called upon for different reasons it might also be to get around they have lots of different duties they need to perform was there a sector that you discovered while filming because you had to meet so many different departments was there a sector that you just went oh my goodness it's cool that that's a job yeah <laughs> oh gosh there, I mean, there's certainly some that you think, wow, it's cool that you're a police officer and you also do that job. Like forensics is super cool. Mm. So there are police officers that also perform the forensic duties, which is awesome. Like it's so cool. Detectives fly around the state. I mean, it's really interesting to see each of them enjoy what they're what they do in their niche, but also the critical frontline policing. That's the day-to-day. That is the, you know, that is the, the center of it all. It's really, you know, w- what most of us as community members see. Mm. Most of us as community members see the frontline police who are so essential yeah. to you know, kind of day-to-day activities. So the other roles are more specialist roles, but they're kind of something you can certainly aspire to if there's an area that you think is really interesting. Water police are fascinating. They're both are so fast. <laughs> they're <laughs> incredible I don't know how they don't get seasick <laughs> I certainly could not be a water police but uh, but no it's it's absolutely fascinating the breadth of, of services they offer is incredible the things we just don't see yeah you know? I feel like there's it's like policing and teachers like when you look at the model of you know you look at like Australia Australia is like a little drop in the ocean in comparison to all the other countries and how they operate but how Australia looks at you know, just like on the pay scheme, yeah, like that's really important to its influence in society. But then you look at places like Germany. If you're a teacher, you're one of the highest paid teachers, and you got to go through a degree. Like I had a, a friend over in Germany, and she became a teacher, and just to become a high school teacher, she had to study for seven years. Oof. 
which is huge like Massive. that's that's on par with being a doctor like just at uni yeah but she you know she gets a car she gets all these amazing benefits yeah and she gets to yeah obviously teach and and do what she really enjoys doing but we don't give them that credit over here i don't think teachers teachers yeah and police force like we should like they are protecting society they are developing society from the ground up grassroots up i think australia does a pretty good job at that in fact they do they do a pretty good job at that but do you think we could do more in teaching yeah teaching yeah oh uh, i'll be honest with you, i'm not too across the sector so yeah. I, d I don't know i think it depends on what school you work and it depends on your qualifications there's so many things that come into into play but i'm not too across the sector enough to comment mm. on it but the teachers that i do know i think they you know they i don't know i i haven't heard any complaints <laughs> 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 but i'm sure i mean there are so many different massive differences in in different countries and the value they put on different services yeah that's been the big the biggest one that i've noticed was europe versus um australia in just the pay scale in yeah. comparison between those you know being in police and teaching yeah in comparison to being police and teaching in europe interesting you actually get paid a lot more interesting it's just how society it's just interesting how yeah. I, ha I haven't looked into it views it yeah no yeah. it's only just been like a little bit of a side thing that i've had a look at Ooh. but yeah, it's just it was just <laughs> something completely different in how yeah Australia's values. Yeah, <laughs> are you yeah. moving to Germany anytime soon? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I'll just stay here. <laughs> this is, the weather's too good here. The weather's too good. Yeah, and obviously that's why we're, we're recording outside. That's it. Or very light, and it's also so nice and quiet here. Mm. It's very peaceful. It is. It is. Fortunately, there's no soccer playing in the background. No. Oh, that would be whistles. nice ambiance. <laughs> 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 so, we've talked about. Is there anything that, like, and let's completely, like, just throw it wide open? Yeah. We've obviously talked a lot about what you do. Yeah. Is there, and obviously, you work with a lot of different departments, and I suppose there'll be a lot of people listening into this podcast that have. Um, you know, they're either working for someone, trying to climb the corporate ladder, let's say, try yeah. and get that extra bonus, reach their potential, or those who are, you know, entrepreneurs, business owners, yeah, who are expanding out there. Is there anything sort of like advice-wise that you would, or something that you've picked up along the way? Because you've got a plethora of different departments with different skill sets yeah. that you can reach out to. Is there anything that you would go like, oh, I picked this up, this is amazing? I think for context first, because I realize I haven't mentioned it and some of your listeners may not know what I actually do, but I work at an advertising agency. I work in the area of, it's called account management, but essentially what that is, is, is creative project management. Mm. Also business development, client services. So you're essentially, you're the agency for your client, but you're also the client representative within the agency. So if anyone in the agency has a question about your client, I mean, my client's business is my business. I, I say it's our business. You know, when we talk about it, it's not, oh, this is a solution for your business, a solution for our business, because I feel like it's as much mine as it is theirs. So you're essentially working with quite a few different departments every day. So you're trying to find the right team for the project you're, you're working on, and you're trying to manage timelines, you're trying to manage budgets. But the really interesting thing was, and I think we kind of touched on this before, but the idea of 
rejection. Yeah. So I've been rejected a lot in my <laughs> career and in my lifetime. And I think it's what's really important, the key learning I've that, that's come out of the rejection is that rejection is just redirection. Ooh, so rejection as redirection. Every time, at the beginning, I used to get really down about rejection, and I'd feel like, oh, like I failed. And then later, the opportunities that came out of that rejection led to better things or things that I had never imagined could happen in my career as an outcome. So mm. it's really interesting, but... When I first started off, I thought, I used to watch a lot of Mad Men. I loved advertising. And I, some of you may know Don Draper, Donald Draper, you know, yep, yep. the head honcho, head creative. We all want to be him. Everybody yep. wanted to be Don Draper. And I was one of those people. I, I watched Mad Men. I thought, that's me. That's my future. I'm going to come up with cool creative ideas. I'm working ad agency. I'm going to be a creative director. Yes, it sounds great. They had a program called Award School, <laughs> and you would apply every year. It was for creatives in the in the making, you know. So every year, I think I applied for maybe four or five years in a row. Right. You had to put together a portfolio of your ideas, and every year, <laughs> I got rejected. And I kept thinking, maybe advertising isn't for me. You know, maybe I I don't know. So what is this, maybe I'm if not you go creative. In, what does this thing give you? It essentially trains you on the ideation process, so how to come up with lots of ideas. You know, creatives come up with hundreds of ideas every single day. Mm. I just couldn't get in. I was putting my ideas forward in my portfolio and, and I wasn't getting picked. It's a very exclusive you know, it's a very exclusive program that they take you through. Uh, but I every year I applied and every year I got rejected. I got really down about it. I thought maybe I've, maybe I'm in the wrong business, or maybe I don't really understand my place. I was so confused, and I later found out that ad agencies had this area called account management, and they work with spreadsheets and Word and PowerPoint, and they manage timelines and they manage budgets, and that's like, that got me really excited because I, I really love, I love a spreadsheet. Love a spreadsheet. I love <laughs> a spreadsheet. There's not there's nothing I can't Damn solve. Girl. With a spreadsheet, so I realized I love presenting to clients. I love I love new business development. I love I love a lot of things that are actually in account management. So whilst I thought, oh, it's cool, I'm creative and I love writing and I I'm definitely creative. I actually realized through the rejection that I am Pete Campbell. Mm. I'm not Donald Draper. I'm Pete Campbell. <laughs> I am more on the account service side that's that's where I can blossom so it's not saying that one is better than the other creatives are incredible magical creatures with this gift to come up with hundreds of ideas in a day I love creativity but I can really only come up with one idea or two ideas a day you know I'm not as creative as they are so it's it's not saying one's better than the other it's really acknowledging that maybe your gifts lie somewhere else mm. and my gifts definitely lie in business management, timeline management, budget management, team management, mm. you know, making sure clients are happy and, you know, and happy with the outcome, the outcome is successful and being really accountable for that. That that's really where I found myself now. And if it weren't for that rejection, I might have ended up in a role that I was not suited for or could not be successful in. So you applied five years in a row? Four I mean four to five. Yeah. That's I wanna say it was about four to five. I remember lots of manila envelopes 
going. I remember handing them sometimes in person, other times mailing them in. In case it got lost in the mail. In case it got lost in the mail. <laughs> Lots of times. And, and no, and even when I handed it in person, it still got rejected. And, and that's fine. I think you have to be, you learn over time that you must be comfortable with rejection. And the moment you get rejected, you should actually pull your chin up. Yeah. And look around because there's something else that that rejection is pointing you to. And if you keep your head down, you're never going to see it and you're going to continue to fail. So the, the way to be successful out of rejection is to pull your chin up as fast as you can and look around because there's something else that's trying to attract your attention that's that's more right for you. I love that. So what was it? Dr- uh, rejection is redirection? Rejection is redirection. I love that. It's so good. Quick, frame it something. Yeah. <laughs> Do something with it. Um, actually, and on that, I think the, re- uh, the rejection is so easily avoided and I'm putting people into a category here because I feel like it, there's a lot of people that will relate to this especially when you're trying to hire new employees that are a little bit younger as well like the millennial crew and they so easily want to avoid that rejection Yeah. and no matter what category or specialty that you go into if you want to be a performer if you want to be a manager if you want to be a service provider you have to get that rejection otherwise there's no feedback loop no that's it that's it and I think the problem is I think a massive problem that we're having at the moment is that you know you go through you go through school then you go through university and we're kind of living in a bit of a moment where a lot of that is a spoon feed Mm. you're constantly getting spoon fed the whole way through so when you're finally in your professional job no one's spoon feeding you it's kind of a sink or swim moment yeah you're waiting for the spoon the spoon doesn't come what do you do do you sink or do you swim (laughs) you know you yeah do you go hungry do you go hunting you know yeah so if you go hunting that's when you're going to be successful if you go hungry then you're you know you're not going to succeed in that professional atmosphere you have to be willing to go and find your spoon and feed yourself because you're not going to make it through so it's like this 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 kind of sense of of a, a next wave that's coming through mm. that, is, that is, is really needing the encouragement to go, you can do it on your own. You can succeed on your own, but you have to be hungry. We can't walk in here thinking that a university degree automatically entitles you to, uh, you know, to your, to your space in the ground. I've, I've told a lot of people, you've got to earn the space that you're sitting in in an office. So that space in the floor, you're taking up floor space, right? Earn that space. earn it you have to earn it you have to step up to earn it what are you going to do it's not just doing your doing your job is not something to be applauded you don't get applauded for doing your job that's it's lovely to be acknowledged from a client when you you know when you produce an outcome for them that's wonderful that's great but never expect it you're you're here to do a job right you're here to perform perform a duty in the job that you're doing but you need to earn your space on the floor you're taking a floor space earn that space you don't just automatically you're not entitled to it because you've graduated from a degree that entitles you to that floor space you need to earn it once you're there Mm. work hustle 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 to earn that spot that you're sitting in because somebody else is waiting to take it you know you don't get we're we're a a a successful advertising agency um, most recently you know, on the hot and cold list or the campaign brief, Perth Matrix, we're right on the top, right? You know, it's a it's a covetable 
place to earn. There are only 20 people that do my job in Perth in, in our agency. So it's like if you're here, you, if you're going to be one of the 20, you really need to earn that spot to be one of the 20. And constantly, the hustle hasn't stopped for me. Every year I'm thinking, gosh, am I earning my spot? Am I earning my spot here? And, you know, you think you're you're clearly you're in a position where you're you're comfortable and you're secure, but also you need to constantly feel hungry. Otherwise, you won't keep moving forward. You'll stay stagnant, and that's not a good place to stay. But you have that self-awareness, though. The fact that you have self-awareness gives you this preeminent um, ability to make sure that you constantly earn that spot. A lot of people don't have that self-awareness. And I think a lot of people who go through personal development, essentially, that creates a self-awareness moment to then to know... What you like to know what you don't know, yeah, and then go, okay, I need to go deep dive into this category, yeah, figure it out. Maybe I'll fail along the way. Cool, it's another redirection, yes, exactly. So, I think that's yeah, I totally get that. And also, question what are you doing that goes above and beyond the duties that you've been hired to perform? Yeah. So I not think just you bare minimum. Yeah, and I think you yeah, you know, and not specifically in my company, but I have friends, you know, that I speak to that, you know, are under the impression that every single year you deserve, say, a pay rise or every single year you deserve to be promoted because you've been there for X, Y, and Z years. Mm. But I think the question you have to ask yourself is have I just performed my duties or have I performed my duties plus? Yeah. What's the extra value you added being in that, owning that space, right? What's that extra value that you've added to the business that has been above and beyond anything you've been asked to perform as part of your general duties? What's the next, what's the next bit that you've added? What's the value that you've added to the business to, to, to deserve that, right? To yeah. deserve that, that spot. So I think it's a matter of kind of being super, super self-aware every year. And I, you know, I'm... I've been through many years of my career where I've gone, you know what? No, this year I just performed. <laughs> I performed. I'm not, I can't, I can't with any sense of self walk into a room and say, I deserve X, Y, and Z. When I, when I really feel like that's been a me, that's been a me year. A good, a good uh, time as an example was when I was completing my MBA. That was a time when I was performing my job during the day and studying at night. So I was pretty consumed at night and on the weekends on my study. So that was a very head down year. That mm. was a year where I was kind of a cocoon. I was, I'd gone from being a little warm. I was cocooning and I, and I just had to survive by doing my job and doing my studies at night and on the weekends. And that was it. There was no time for friends. There was no time for extra business development. There was no time to do things that went above and beyond my general duties. Yeah. So those were years where there's no way you can walk into a room with confidence to your boss and say, I deserve more. Yeah. No, I was performing my duties. I deserve what, what I have, and thank you so much for allowing, you know, for really giving me the, the time and the space to, to do what I need to do, but also then go off and do my own things. Yeah. No, no, I think, and it, it almost becomes like a fine line when people think, oh, I don't, Maybe I shouldn't ask for that pay rise every year, but if you are, but then there goes that self-awareness yeah. of, did I actually put in the hard work mm. to then validate this opportunity? Because you've also got to have like some guts and actually like approach your manager yeah. and say like, this is what I've brought to the table. Yes. It's a super fine line. Evidence-based requests. Yeah. Evidence-based. If you ask for it every year, 
you, you can't expect a yes every year. You're better off going in on a baller year and yeah. saying, I've had a baller year, and here's the evidence. And, and, and now I hope you respect that because I don't ask every year because I don't think I always have a baller year. I have a baller year if I have the evidence to suggest that you had a good year. So with your personal experience, have you only asked on the years that you've, that you've done well in? Yes. Okay. I'm very self-aware. Yeah. Very self-aware. And, and maybe, and look, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe it's not the right approach. Maybe that's not how, I know a lot of women get told that's not how men do it. Men go and ask for things before they deserve them. And, you know, and they say, go out and get it. I, I, in good faith, understanding the way a business operates, can't show my face and ask for something that I don't think I deserve. Mm. So I will go in there and ask for exactly what I think I deserve when I've done the work. And not just the work, the extra. It's the it's the cream on top. When I've delivered that, I'll come to you and I'll ask you for, for what I think I deserve based off of that. But if I don't have evidence to suggest that I've performed above and beyond my duties, I will sit where I am and be very grateful that I have a job. And that's and that's where I like I'm comfortable with that approach. I agree with that. I really do. And I think so many people um yeah, forget that it's not you get paid to do a certain thing. You have your piece of real estate yeah. on the floor and you're executing a job that you are being paid for and that you don't you're not always going to get all the, the coddling or and all the feedback that you always wanted because you know, you've got management that's gotta address everything else and it's not just you. Yeah. No matter how big a company and I think as well, especially if you're working in really large corporations. Yeah. You're not going to be able to get that. They may have a performance review every year, but it doesn't mean that you are entitled for that no. increase. But, yeah, again, how hungry is one person exactly. that's actually going to be able to do that? Exactly. And I think we have to – I think you also have to be constantly grateful that you're employed. I think in, we're living in a year when, honestly, I don't know that last March we knew who was going to survive, who was going to sink, and who was going to swim. Yeah. It was a really tough year, and I think – we can't forget that we're all like I constantly feel grateful to have a job constantly feel grateful to have a job I love mm. constantly feel grateful to have a job I love with great leaders you know that lead the business and lead by example and you know and help you develop as a person personally and professionally I think there's all those things that you have to be grateful for when you think what do I deserve it's like well actually I'm pretty grateful to just have what I have and that's that's good enough for me this year but you brought the cream too if you do, then boy, you go out there and you and you, and, yeah. and you say it. You you know you go out there and you and you demand what you think you're worth based off of that. But be introspective the entire time and ask yourself, have I really done that this year? Yeah. Can I truly? Can I truly back myself? Yeah. And if you can't, then just then just sit sit in gratitude. That's so true. I like that. I like that. But I do hope that people also go for what they want. Yeah. there's a lot of people that I know that just do their thing and then they, yeah, they, they just rock up when they have to, sort of there, not really all the time, they're not living their true purpose, and then that's where I go like, well, then, then go out and get it. But yeah. having that courage and that self-awareness to know when and how to do it yeah next level and if you're not motivated in what you're doing if you don't god if you don't love 
jumping out of bed every morning to go to work. <laughs> I mean, I love going to work. <laughs> I really do. I really enjoy it. I look forward to Sundays because I'm like, cool, tomorrow's Monday. Yes, get to go crush my goals every, you know, every week. And that's awesome. It's really great to feel that way. But not everyone does. And I think if you don't and you're concerned about it or you want to feel excited about getting up every morning, then you have to sit down and reevaluate. It's, it's always going to be later. People always say mm. it's too late. It's just going to get later. I remember I knew someone who I won't name, but when they were 17, 18, were super, super pumped about this idea of studying graphic design, and they thought it was too late. And then they were 19, and they thought it was too late. And then they were 20, and they thought it was too late. And they were doing trades at the time. They thought it was too late. It's just going to take X amount of years, and it's going to be too late. And then I lost touch with them, but later down the track, I've recently found out that at 30 or 28 maybe they started studying graphic design oh and I'm s so pumped to see someone do what they always wanted to do it's a shame they didn't do it sooner because I think yeah. you have more years to be successful then and the thing that or more years to enjoy what you're doing but it's cool because now they're doing what they're what they always wanted to do but if they had done it when they thought it was too late the first time around then they would have had more years to enjoy it so it's just it's about acknowledging if you think it's too late to do something, just dive in and do it now because it's just going to be later. I think the concept of time, like I remember like being in my te like late teens and just going out drinking and just partying and it's all just so much fun. And you think, oh, I don't want to do this because by the time I finish this qualification or, or whatever, that's five years and that's, that's feels just like a dampener on what I actually want to do with my timeline. And now, looking back, you go, gosh, that was like a blink. It's not even <laughs> a consideration. Just get on with it. Just get on with it. Yeah. But it's cool. It's cool to see people, if you, you know, if you did think it was too late, just do it now. Because I see, you know, even, even later, it's still enjoyable to see someone actually love what they do later in life, mm. too. My God, 30 isn't even later in life. You could, you could start. My mother went to university at the age of 50. Wow. First, cool. first uni degree graduated in her mid fifties. Brilliant. Love that. You know, so exciting to see someone what go. Did she study? She studied design. She studied industrial design. Oh wow. Really cool. Absolutely loves what she does. Does not regret it for a minute. And I think, brilliant. You went out and got your first degree in your fifties. It's never too late. Like you look at so many examples of people that thought they'd failed in their early life and yeah. get to their 50s and try something new and are super successful. It's never too late. Didn't Vera Wang, she actually became a sensation in her 50s? Probably. That, I mean, she that woman is, uh, yeah, that woman is a, an ageless um, <laughs> Yeah. She, yeah. Whatever she's taking, she, I want that. Yeah, she's <laughs> in her 20s for the rest of her life, apparently, Vera Wang. But that... But that's a perfect example of a late bloomer. Yeah. Like, yeah, people just come into their own and then they just absolutely blossom mm. in what they want to do. So that's that's the cool part. It's so cool. Never too late. Never too late, but if you think it's too late, do it now. <laughs> do you think you'd always be in marketing? Or is there other things that also interest you? There are other things that interest me. Ooh. There are, and things that we were I was just discussing with someone last night yeah and it's sort of really like secret that nobody knows exclusive to this podcast <laughs> I love creative writing I yeah. love absolutely adore putting pen to paper I love writing and I have been 
working on a novel of which I won't give you the details because oh. it's in the making still and I'm it's a, it's a seed I can't you know when you can't talk okay. about it because it's in a very delicate stage but when it's ready I promise you can have the exclusive but I love creative writing and I've been working on this novel that I haven't shared with absolutely anyone and I shared the first chapter with someone last night and it was so heartwarming to see someone respond so beautifully to something that I've put so much time and effort into and I honestly had no idea if it was any good and the feedback was so positive and so encouraging that it's just made me think cool I'm gonna keep I'm just gonna keep tinkering away at it just a page a day you know just write a little just dedicate half an hour write a page a day that's all I need to do just give myself that me time to unwind either first thing in the morning or last thing at night and just just continue tinkering away at it because yeah maybe someone will get some enjoyment out of that in the future I don't think it would be like I wouldn't give up my career to become a professional writer but I love doing it on the side it's my it's my kind of hobby it's the thing that really gets me excited about you know it's my creative outlet that I don't get to Mm. I get to be around creativity but that's my 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 personal private creative thing I love that that's so cool so you're going to go publish. So when's the end date? When do you want to get this done? So we're talking about projects before, right? And yeah. And not delaying things. Correct. So I had I had a goal to finish it by the time I turned 30. <laughs> and and I didn't get there, you're and that's fine. You're only What's up? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, at 32, I'm a little bit over my deadline. But hey, extensions, right? So I would love to say that I want to have it completed by the end of the year. Okay. And that'll probably see me taking a couple of weeks here and there. So writing every day and then taking a couple of weeks of leave here and there, which I've got banked up, uh, to to really polish it. And then hand it over to someone with the expertise to go, could this be something? So is this nonfiction? This, yeah. Okay. So this is a true... Um, okay. No, that's really interesting. So nonfiction novel that you're going to go publish... Have you thought about, obviously you've got to do the work and execute and yeah. actually have that pen to paper in a book form. Yeah. Fiction. Sorry. Sorry. Fiction. It's fiction. Sorry. Yeah. It's fiction. So it's true creative writing. Yeah. So how are you going to publish it? Have you thought about that? No. Do you know what? I'm focused on, I, I think thinking about the publishing is, it feels like the next mountain. Mm. So I think at the moment I have to focus on these on the small stretches because it's something that I'm doing I have quite a demanding job that keeps me very busy mm. and it's something that I do on the side so I've got to kind of take each each step is a is a tick yeah every I celebrate every little step every page that I add to it I celebrate so I think every page I've just got to keep celebrating until I feel like the book is done and then I'll go oh print it out and that's when I'll think about what's the next step from there. And who knows who you meet along the way. Sometimes when you put it out into the universe, you're thinking about publishing a book. Suddenly you come across someone who has experience in that at the right time. And that's when I'll know what to do. So I, I fully trust in the process that when the time is right, the right person's going to come along and they're going to be able to help me on the next stage of the so mountain. So essentially any publishers or anyone with connections to publishing should really contact December 2021 <laughs> don't call me just yet but December 2021 I think I'll have a manuscript ready so, cool. so what's your where do you pull your creativity from have you got any like influences 
Yeah, interesting. Uh, I was, we were also, <laughs> I was also talking about this last night, and I the process that I go through because uh, the person I was talking about this with was asking me, "What's your process? How do you do this? How do you sit down and, and do this?" And some pieces require research, so I'll research a topic quite extensively because I want it to be very accurate. So even though the creative writing is beautiful, I need that I need what's happening to be very accurate too, because otherwise someone's going to pull me up on that and go, "That's not how that happens." Oh, okay. Yeah. It, and that'll make more sense when you read what it's about. But with the other chapters, I've honestly just sat down and I haven't had a starter end point in mind and the story comes to me. It just comes to me <laughs> and out. And I read it later and I go, I had no idea the story was going to go there, but that's cool. I'm loving that. Let's go with that. I feel like it's just... I think your brain's a bit of a slow cooker when you like writing, and I've traveled a lot in my lifetime. I think I've pulled a lot of personalities, people, scenarios, places into my slow cooker, and they all just sit there and cook, and then the moment I'm ready to write, they, the story just weaves itself. That's so awesome. I just trust the process. The hardest bit is sitting down and doing it. Once I've, I've sat down, it flows. Yeah, right. So I just have to remind myself when I don't want to go sit down and do it that I need to just sit down because the moment I do it just floods out that's incredible that's awesome it's very fun it's a fun process and it's super crazy to because I write something and I won't read it until a month later oh yes and I read it and I go did I write that where did I get that from I have no idea I didn't I had no idea I was gonna write that I didn't plan that but that's cool I like it you know yeah so I don't know if other people are gonna like it but I, I it's a fun process to go through regardless of if nothing comes out of it I'm happy with the fact that it's so is it is it like a drama, a romance, is it comedy, is it a mix of everything? Have you got a big old bag of mix lollies in there? Like what have you got? It is a little bit of a mix because it tells a few different stories. Oh. So every chapter, every chapter has something that's happened to me in my lifetime through a different character. Oh wow! That's so every cool. single chapter has an Easter egg. And nice. I'll never reveal what the thing was. It could be something super small to something pretty major in that chapter. But each chapter has one thing that's happened to me in mm. real life. And and I think that's a, that's kind of a fun little, little, you know, Easter egg hunt for me. If somebody's reading the book that somebody could go through and go, ooh, was it this? Was it this? Was it this? Or some people might know the things that happened to me and they might be able to identify them straight away in that chapter. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a little bit of drama and just general living I'd suggest it's probably more drama okay. it's more it's not a crime novel by any it's just just life general life drama love it that's so cool well going on from what we said about like rejection that will be really interesting because the feedback that may come from this oof you won't be scared of it that's nah, for sure no. bring it in your stride yeah, if nothing comes from that, maybe they go, cool, but maybe you'd be great at doing this kind of writing, and then I'd redirect to that. Or maybe that does go well, and that leads me to something else that I never thought, Yeah. you know, or a different place in my career that I never thought I'd go to. But, but yeah, so for now, it's just a, a day, a page a day. Page a day is pretty good. Page a day kind of hobby. Yeah, but if you're, if you're in a flow, do you then go, oh, bugger it, I'll just go quickly? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, I don't think about it. It's a minimum page a day. Oh, okay. But yeah. then if I'm in a weekend writing session and I get 10 pages out, that's cool. That just yeah. keep it going. I but mean, the moment the story kind of, the water, the kind of flow stops, you can uh -huh. feel it when it just, 
you, there, there's nothing left in that, then yep. I leave it and let it sit. Yeah. And I come back and read it later. Ah, that's so exciting. That is really fun. That's Super so fun. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So December 2021. <laughs> I like it. Let's put a date my on new, it. My new goal. Yeah. You can, interview me again. <laughs> you can interview me again. You can interview me again December 2021 yes. and ask me how I'm going. So good. Keep me accountable. Yeah. Will do. Yeah. Absolutely. That's so cool. So you're now going to become a creative writer. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> no, just a hobby. No, that's cool. Are there any other creative outlets or interests that you find yourself sort of leaning towards? Mm, I love photography as a hobby again. True. I really like uh, photography. I like storytelling through photography. But, again, it's a, it's a hobby that I'm enjoying learning very slowly. Like, I'm still learning the manual settings on my camera. But I like the creativity of looking at something and thinking, what's the best angle for that? Or what's going to tell the best story? And then having someone ruin the shot. I've had some shots that have been, quote unquote, ruined by people because they've walked in front of the lens and they've ended up being awesome shots. I was taking a shot of a Prada store in Melbourne and this guy, I was trying to just take photos of the mannequins in the, in the shop front and he walked right in front and looked at the camera and went, and it's just, just such gazed. a traumatic he was gazing straight into my lens with his little backpack and I called him Prada boy because he just looked so cool and he ruined my shot but it made the shot that's awesome which was fun you actually have a really natural ability with photography that I've noticed actually what's your hashtag for you got an Instagram page right I, I have my personal one, which is where I post my the kind of shots that I take when I'm traveling, but that one's private. The mm. one I, I use for my dog photography, because I love dogs, is called Perth Pups. Yeah. At Perth Pups. But it's, been, it's actually been a little bit since I've posted in it, because I, I just believe in those creative outlets have to be non-paid for me yeah. they have to be unpaid while I'm doing them so if friends are like come take a photo of my dog I'll pay you no thank you so much I do not want to be paid for that and I understand that I fully fully understand that people that do this professionally should be paid you cannot be paid through endorsements or hashtags but I'm not one of those people because for me the greatest gift is that's my creative outlet my unpaid creative outlet I have a paid creative outlet that's my work, and that's what I do every day, and I love it, and that's super cool. But my unpaid creative outlets have to be, have to have no deadlines, have to have no money involved, and they just have to flow. So the Perth Pubs account has not been updated in a few months because I've been busy in my personal life, enjoying and living and having a great time. Mm. And I just have to roll with that. I'm not going to say, oh, I must post every week, three posts a week. That's not how I'm going to roll. When I want to post dog pics, I will post dog pics. And I hope you love it. But when I don't post dog pics, I'm so sorry. I'm not getting back to you. I'm living my life and enjoying it. Because it's a creative outlet that's just there for fun. It's a hobby. Yeah, because when I first met you, you essentially had your camera in hand. In hand. And just taking photos everywhere. <laughs> and I still haven't posted those dog pics. Oh, get on to that. <laughs> <laughs> I should. They were really good. They were fun. Yeah. Oh, I, I love dogs. They're my favorite. But I wouldn't know like what a dog like what that breed is i'm like hey mm. it's a cute black dog oh i don't i don't know what they are either <laughs> it's a little fluffy thing but i love it because they look some of them look straight down the barrel of the lens really dramatically and then you find this beautiful the owner tells you this gorgeous story like there was a greyhound i met and the owner said oh yeah he earned i don't know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars for his owners maybe Gosh. it was tens of thousands no i think it was in the hundreds 
Anyways, and he, after earning this much money for his owners, they were going to put him to sleep because he was out of out of racing age or racing no. fitness. And this man adopted this beautiful greyhound and um, and took him on as a pet. And you could see the gratitude in this greyhound's eyes. You could just see it. When I took the photograph, it was just kind of kind of solemn, sad, but like really grateful. <laughs> and it sounds crazy, but I could see it. And then he told me the story, and I thought, I can see that in this beautiful dog. Amazing. I can tell. It's been through some stuff. It's also a champion. I think his name was JD. Champion. Champion That's Greyhound. A champion name, that one. Yeah. JD. Champion. Sounds like a rapper. Yeah. So it was really nice. It's nice to be able to tell those those dog stories as well through the photographs, which is cool. Do you tell the stories under the photos? Like yeah. Yeah. Just, I do if they, if they have an interesting story. If not, I'll just say their name and where they're from and what they were doing on the day. Yeah. But if the owner is willing to share a little bit more, then yeah, it's pretty, it's nice to, to be able to tell a little bit more of a story. Some people are just like, yeah, take a photo of my dog and leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> leave, please. <laughs> Hi, can please. I please take a photo of your dog? <laughs> it's really cute. <laughs> Actually, yeah, having moved to this new location, um, yeah, because there's so many little parks nearby, I'm noticing oh. everyone has a dog. Oh. Everyone has a dog, practically a small little dog that you can put into your handbag. Yeah. And uh, I feel fun. like, yeah. Do you, are you allowed dogs in the workplace? No, no, not not in an office building in the city, no. Oh, okay. I know some places that do. Yeah, in the city, I think it's a little bit more difficult to get a dog to the city. You know, if it, maybe if you worked in the suburbs, it's a little bit easier to take your dog in your car. But when you work in the city, I can't imagine catching a bus with a dog. You know, <laughs> and then trying to troll it into the CBD. <laughs> Sorry, traffic. It's just it's just too distracting for. And also, my dog would not. He'd be somewhere hiding because some noise scared him. It'd be too much work to have my dog around. Yeah, he gladly um, waits for me oh, at bless. home. Gladly. That's so cute. Little doggies. It's very good. Actually, my okay, a friend of mine, Michael Lynn, has the cutest dog. But it's like, and again, I don't know what they're called, but it looks like a bear. Oh. And I think it's this really popular um, in Asia, this, this particular breed. Oh, they, do they look like little Ewoks? You know, like the little Star Wars? Yeah. Yeah, like it's just really fluffy, but like there's like really short hair around, and they got like oh. little bear ears. Yeah, like, I think those are the cute. ones. So yeah. cute. Yeah, I wouldn't know. The what grooming they're is phenomenal. I mean, oh like, oh my gosh, oof. incredible. Talk about grooming. Wow, some dogs. Oof. Yeah, dog. I don't think I'd have the patience for no, it. No, no, my dog has a like. I'm like number two. Thank you. <laughs> Chew all over. Chew all over. <laughs> Make sure you. Just shave him on his belly and his bum. That's good. Thank you so much. Round off the paws. Thank you. And that's it. That's uh, But some dogs just come out like the fluffy ears and the poof, like the little poofiness. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So well manicured. So well manicured. Yeah. But yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, I was gonna ask you something and then I completely forgot. Ooh. I can't remember. It is heating up out here, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it is midday almost. Hmm. Yes. True. <laughs> Time flies when you're talking about stuff. <laughs> about marketing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have to talk about marketing. But um, did you give everyone your hashtag for your podcast? Oh, not yet. I haven't launched it yet. So I promise I'll share it as soon as okay, it's launched. Okay, good. Yeah, we can do a little cross promo. Okay, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be geared towards high school students and helping them figure out what they want to do with their professional career. Yeah. No, so it's a, it's a podcast for high school students or early uni students. Is there many out there for that? For that? 
You know categories? what? Not that I've seen. The ones that I've seen are mostly created by uni students. So the whole idea yeah. of my podcast, which would be called Hello from Your Future, is that I'm in the future. You know, I'm in my in my kind of early 30s. So if you're looking down the barrel of a lens when you're in high school or at university, you're yeah. kind of thinking, where am I going to be in my 30s? Or you have these ideals for where you're going to be. And I'm kind of there to tell you about rejection. I'll be there to tell you about how to choose the right career for you, how to find your passion, who to talk to, you know? Mm. So lots of different things that you need in your career. Also, guiding principles for professional workplace and being successful, you know, yeah. being on time and, you know, oh learning how to communicate properly. So all these little things, little tips and tricks that I've learned along the way that hopefully, if you can learn them before I did, then you'll be more successful down the track. For sure, yeah. I had someone... Um, explain to me that if you're not 10 minutes early or 10 minutes late because if you're on time you're essentially you're not there on time those basic principles I feel like they do get lost in the process and and people are just and I think social media has a massive part to play in this where they don't actually help in maybe providing good basic understanding and principles yeah and everyone just goes for the big shiny you know the, the big shiny objects you know yeah. everyone wants to have a private jet everyone wants to have you know the latest and greatest gucci yeah. belts and whatever else and it's and you can so easily you just get swamped with it swamped. on instagram you, yeah scrolling through it mm. whatever it be on any social media platform but you know you got oh it's frustrating how so many people can just get consumed with just wanting to get a motivational quote or or put something on their wish list because they really want to go buy that thing that gives them that identity that they've reached a certain element some of the most successful individuals that i know and like just so incredibly successful multi-millionaires and billionaires are the ones that don't have any tags on their clothing have really basic cars yeah yeah <laughs> live really normal lives because they know the value of buying the things they can afford yeah. and also they know the value of something for some people having a normal car is just getting them a car gets them from a to b yes so i don't need a flashy car to tell other people that i'm mm. successful because i am successful but in saying that, if you have a passion, I, I But love if you cars. love, but that's the difference. If love. you love cars and you invest in that, I love technology. Yeah. So I'll probably spend more money on buying the latest technology because I love how it helps facilitate my goals. It helps keep me on time. It helps do a lot of other things. So I have a lot of gadgets. But say I don't invest very much in shoes. I buy, I have maybe three pairs of very, very good quality shoes that I will wear. And then when they break, I repair them twice. Oh. And twice, that's my rule. If I, I need to repair them twice or be told that they're beyond repair, and then I buy the new pair of shoes. I'm not a big shoe person. It's just not my, my thing. It's not yeah. my area. You know, it's not the thing that I'm really passionate about, but technology is. Yeah. So the tech I definitely invest in. Yeah, I, I just love cars. Like, just, oh, the purring of it yeah. all. It's just, and like the mechanics behind mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, there's so many awesome car shows that I love going yeah. to. And you go pick up a coffee and you go talk to the car owners and you get to hear the history, the the background of this particular make and model and, yeah. and what and how it's evolved in the whole evolution of this yeah. you know, of various cars and 
actually learning a lot about Tesla lately. Yeah. And just so on their cool. airbags mm. are amazing. Like amazing. apparently what Tesla's been able to achieve in seatbelts, sorry, not, sorry, regard, disregard seatbelts. Forget about seatbelts. Apparently they're a thing of the past. It's actually the advanced airbags. Yeah. So when you sit in a Tesla, apparently it will measure your weight, height, your weight transference on the seat. Yeah. It will tell like if you're male, female, oh. whatever else. And it will adjust in the case of a deployment of a, the advanced airbags and yeah. it's around you, yeah. not just in front of you through the steering wheel, that it will act, it's far safer than wow. just having a seatbelt. Seatbelt's cool. like, oh, that's nice to have. That's but like cool. the advanced airbags just far outweigh anything. And I'm like, I'd rather be more interested in pressing that ludicrous button yeah. on a Tesla. <laughs> I really want to see it go from, yeah, 0 to 60 in 1.9 seconds. Yeah. But other than that, it's just those little gimmicks and just the process behind mm. it. And you have a, a room full of really amazingly talented people that just go like, oh, look, let's just push the button. Let's just go past that envelope of what's expected and, and yeah. just get creative with this. Love that. I think that's just so amazing. So cool. But yeah, sorry, going back to the, um, yeah, to people who are more successful in what they're doing and 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 not going out of their way to, you know, constantly be glitz and glammy in front of everyone and on socials and some of the most successful people. And, and I've experienced it firsthand walking into stores with friends of mine mm. um and i won't name their names because they probably i'll ask them beforehand but <laughs> <laughs> you know walking in with them and and people don't give them just basic customer service yeah unless they're wearing a suit yeah and i'm like you just missed out on a huge sale here oh what are you thinking think about a zuck walking in with a hoodie yeah. into a store if you didn't know who he was exactly would you treat him better or worse because you knew he had the wall like people are in a store and everyone whether you're buying chewing gum or a ten thousand dollar handbag you should be treated the same yeah with good customer service you should be treated the same yeah because you'll have a return customer the moment that person is able to afford more than the keychain they're able to afford the one thousand or two thousand dollar handbag trust me they'll be back if you treated them well exactly. so you're thinking long term with customer service for I, sure it's it almost like stems back to like you know your podcast and, and what you're doing with the younger generation it's like generally your first job is in customer service right yes. like if you're trying to make a you know, make a bit of money like my first customer service like position was either working in my family cafe at the head of the time yeah or working in a coffee store yeah i worked at a news agency right you're going to be constantly interacting with people and if you don't understand how important it is to go beyond providing someone a service mm. on how you can really help them yeah that's going to flow through on everything you do and when yeah. you get into that career or that particular job that you're aiming for that you studied for whatever it mm. may be you just won't get there and I was, I'll tell you, I was as motivated about my job when I worked at a news agency as a checkout chick. I was as motivated about customer service as I am now. Yeah. I, and I think it's really interesting, but people don't pay a lot of attention to interns. And I think if someone is working their ass off for free, mm. 
when they are so passionate about the work and they're working for free, yeah. you should take note because you should you should trust that the person that's working for free or the person that's working in their first customer service job, if they're giving that their all, their enthusiasm, their passion, their motivation, they're very likely to be exactly like that when they're working in a higher paid job in the profession of their choice. Like that just, that kind of motivation feeds through in whatever you're doing. Yeah. A volunteer role, a hobby, and anything. Like that, that motivation is pretty steady in people that are, you know, yeah. have a goal in mind. Absolutely. And there was um, a friend of mine who's just gone on to, um, on the latest show of uh, Married at First Sight. Yes. And sort of hearing a lot of things that are happening in the background. And I, it's really interesting when you actually know them out of the context of editing. Yeah. Of what a producer does oh. with all the editing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Jake's a great guy. He... Does, he's done amazing things and shout out to Outside the Locker Room they're doing incredible stuff um, Jake Edwards, you know, amazing individual, privilege of knowing him as a friend and what he has established uh, and knowing him outside of what a producer decides to edit yeah. in a show yeah. um, is really quite interesting and how How is he being portrayed do you think in the show versus Versus his real persona. I don't think they've given him enough credit for what he's actually done. Yeah. But in saying that, though... It's a show about uh, dating, right? It's yeah, a dating. So, so it's a, ma- a married show. Yeah. yeah, yeah they, they get call married. They the experiment. Yes. So, like, they meet it's each other. It's a marriage experiment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, it was more of a... It's just interesting. Like, you know, he's... I, th- I think how they're portraying it is him um, and this girl that he's been put with. Um, they're not quite blending as much. I uh, think that's how the show yeah. is coming across. But him as an individual, you know, he's doing. I feel like there's an opportunity because, you know, and he's getting some really great exposure, yeah. which this charity needs. Yeah. Because they've received so much government funding. Yeah. Because it has actually been proven to work. You know, out there, and they're actually targeting grassroots, uh, like football clubs um and they're expanding into other sporting cultures yeah but in the rural sense as well so like if you need help it's not just help to the individual it's help to the family as well yeah because if someone is going if if someone is uh, going through depression and they can't control um you know they're struggling to control their environment and and whatever else that they're trying to overcome and get themselves into a better place and see yeah. that light at the end of the, of the tunnel, you're going to have to have family that understands or friends that understand how to help you to get there. Yeah. And they've been able to do that and have an online platform where you've actually got access to information there mm-hmm. plus also um, a helpline as well. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, it was it's really great to see and for him to get that coverage yeah because it's really important i think there's so many good charities out there that probably don't get a mention yeah and and get that exposure which is probably doesn't fit the narrative that the show wants uh no no but i think he's getting portrayed fairly well like yeah yeah, he's he's not a villain no no (laughs) gosh there's so many people they get portrayed as villains actually i had another friend who was on um yeah, yeah, jeez, he, he was on another Bachelorette show. Ah, oh, nice. And when I was having conversations with with Maka, he was then saying um, the guys that were portrayed as being the good guys 
were not the good guys in real oh. life. Complete role reversal. Yeah. I was like, why would the producers do that? The editing. It's romantic. Yeah. I mean, it's a show. It you is know? a show. But it's a show. Take it for real life. I know. It's a show that requires. If they showed you what it really. I mean, God, if somebody filmed my life, it would be such a boring show. You'd have to inject <laughs> some sort of a dramatic narrative to make my life seem interesting. So I feel like it's the same with those shows. People, Those people are just normal human beings that have been put into these unreal situations and they have to pick out the, the goodies, the bad and make the story, you know, yeah. make it fit into traditional storytelling narratives. Mm. It's a shame because some people end up getting the short end of the stick. But and then you've got the nation all against Ooh, you. Yeah, that's I feel for them. Yeah, I feel for them. They get the wrath of the nation. And social media, and you've got the trolling as well that happens Oof. online. That's not going to help yeah, you at all. You've got to be strong to go onto those mm. shows. Very, very resilient to go onto any of those shows. Oh, you really do. Or, or, or desire that the outcome will end up being greater than than the the risk of getting trolled and yeah you know you're you're gonna want that outcome to be stronger for you in the end but doesn't that just build a callus in your mind and, and oh. emotionally as well which is what you should have through life anyway yeah exactly yeah <gasps> building them calluses Oof. or going to the gym either way <laughs> you're building calluses oh. oh my god i actually ripped a callus off the other day Ooh, ouch. When lifting. I mean, I'm kind of encouraged at the fact that you even have a callus. I have no calluses <laughs> because I don't do any lifting, so I'm feeling like I should be doing more lifting. They're not. I think there's a massive... Um... So many goals for December 2021. <laughs> Finish the book, get some calluses. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's a massive stigma, uh, and it's improving. I'm not saying it's that bad as what I'm currently saying, but it was more of a, you know, girls that have long nails and and you know want to look good and whatever else but the fact of getting sweaty the number of times mm-hmm. i've gone i've walked yeah. into a gym and people are not pulling up a sweat Oof. and i'm like what are you doing here oh i pull like, up such a sweat i mean i don't weight lift but i pull up such a cardio sweat that i go purple i have whoa. photographic evidence i've had gym people because i'm just one of those people that goes really beetroot That's crazy. and i've had you know, trainers in the gym come up to me and go, "Are you are you okay? Because <laughs> your heart rate's at like a hundred percent on the big monitor, and um, and your face is like really red." So we're a bit oh, concerned. Oh, so it's just being portrayed for everyone to so, view. So every, oh yeah, that was the worst when you had those monitors that every time you you were working out, they'd tell you what the results of the whole gym were because oh everyone gosh. has their heart rate monitors connected, and they'd be like, "You're literally running at a hundred percent." And your, your face is pretty purple. Are you okay? Do you need any assistance? And I was like, no, I'm just... Oh, like, I wasn't even... ambulance? No, I'm good. This is just how I work out. <laughs> I, if I'm coming to the gym, I'm going to be sweating. If I'm going to wake up at 4.30 in the morning to get to the gym by 5, I you will want to work up a sweat. Yeah, I'm not there to look pretty. I'm not there. I'm there to look pretty. Like, I can look pretty any other time, but the gym time is me time. Yeah. It's like, let me just do my thing. Yeah. Don't look absolutely. at me. Absolutely. <laughs> It's such a cleansing of the mind as well. Oh. Like, is that all, all, like, people can relate to that with running. Do you want to get out of the sun? Oh, I'm... You okay? I'm, like, kind of, yeah, no Yeah, that's cool. I'm good. Yeah, so it's, um, I think the running is another way that people can, like, cleanse their mind. Because I know, like, a lot of people who just crazy... Crazy mofos that just go for a run, and they'll go for, like, 25 kilometers. And that's just... They just do that, or people, yeah, they've all got their own little clicky niche yeah. thing that just helps them cleanse their mind. Okay, yeah. so here's a question. Mm. So what do you do to, uh, I don't want to say defrazzle, but like decompress? 
yeah. if you're hustling, right? And so much, like, yeah, if you're pushing the boundaries, especially, like, if someone is starting their own company, let's say, and it's just you. You mm. can't rely on anyone. So everything is on your shoulders. Yeah. Or you're really, like, you're in a, a big team that, and, again, all of these particular pressures are on you. Yeah. How like you, everyone goes through levels of stress, right? Yeah. And it peaks, and and you've got these different ups and downs. How would you decompress? Yeah. And release it. That's a good question. So I do have a few different ways that suit me, you know. And I think everyone has to find their thing. If I'm feeling particularly angry or anxious, because that happens. Sometimes you're carrying a lot of anxiety in your chest. You may know what it's about. You may not know what it's about. Some days you think, I don't have anything to worry about, yet I'm feeling it. In those moments, I tend to find treadmill running the best because Mm. treadmill running keeps me at pace, even if I feel like slacking, which I probably would. So I find that treadmill running is really good for that. If I'm feeling generally like I have a problem to tackle, I just need to unwind very generally, then what I'll do is I'll go for a two to three hour walk yeah on my own so pick a podcast pick an audiobook and just walk mm. however many kilometers two to three hours gives me and then i walk back pick up a coffee along the way go, so go on like a bit of a cafe strip all the way to the <laughs> beach and then walk around the beach and then come back with a bottle of water and i find that that's really good for clearing my head because when i'm running i can't i don't think i can process while i'm running Pro, the running is more about releasing the anxiety and releasing the anger so it's really the, that physical and powerful physical motion, the sprinting, the heart rate going up, that really helps me release. But then to actually unwind, problem solve, I like the walking. Because yeah. I can walk at whatever pace I need to walk. It's good for your health, good for your brain, and really just good to generally unwind. Hmm. What I find, though, that I start to get creative, unwind, even when just having a shower. There's ah. something like, I always need like a like a whiteboard or something ah, because all these different ideas come to me and I go oh Being yeah that's a, a great idea yeah and yeah. I've heard that with a lot of people yeah they go like oh yeah my best ideas have happened when I'm in the shower because like <sighs> again when you're in that relaxed state mm. and I think there's an also an equilibrium with your body being a minimum of 70% yeah I might have got that number wrong could be higher and you're in that you know body of water yeah Either if you're in, um, yeah, if you're at the beach, having yeah. a shower, something like that. Swimming in a pool. Yeah. Swimming in a pool is another great way of unwinding. Yeah. Well, actually, but I don't problem solve. I can't. I, it's, yeah. it's interesting that everyone has their own thing. Like, I wouldn't problem solve in the shower, and I wouldn't problem solve swimming, but you've reminded me, swimming is actually the place where I go to when I don't want to think. Yeah. Because all I can focus on is my breathing. Mm. I have, there's no other space because I'm not a great swimmer. Like I can swim perfectly fine, but, (laughs) but the breathing is the one thing that I get really worried about getting right. And all I can think about is breathing. So it's a great time when you don't want to think about anything to to just go for a swim. Yeah. In a pool. Yeah. Yeah. Just do laps. Yeah. Okay. I find I get bored when swimming. Yeah. That's it. Like everyone has to find their thing, right? Like you've got to pick them out. This tiled floor in the, base of the pool it's the same and there's a black line whoopee (laughs) i need something more yeah so but yeah i haven't tested waterproof um earphones i think that would be have you ever tried that no girl they've been out for like yeah but i don't know if i'd want it i don't know if i'd want it i i can't imagine that i would want 
to listen to anything. Oh, okay. I so like the void. Uh, the void. The void. The nothing's going on in my yeah. brain. Absolutely nothing but breathing is going on in my brain. Mm. Um, yeah, but interesting. But again, it's figuring out what would suit you best. For sure. To yeah. unwind. Like, you've got to figure out what your thing is. Mm. And for the different circumstances I've outlined. For when you don't want to think for when you want to unwind and for when you're really feeling anxious and stressed and you need to just get the energy out of your body. Yeah. Just yeah. shift it out. Yeah. No, no. Definitely running, getting a pump on, lifting some heavy weights and putting them back down again. Mm. I think that's that's great. But have you tried those salt pools? No. You know those pods? Oh, no. I really wanted to, though. Yeah, I, I really, really want, want to. to. Yeah. Mm, I'm really curious. I've heard uh, incredible things about them. Some people I've heard get really anxious in them and they have to open the pot up. Yeah. Other people I've heard have had, like, hallucin hallucinatory. Hallucinatory? Hallucinogenic. Hallucinations. Just hallucinations. Yeah, Let's just simplify it. They've had a <laughs> lot of hallucinations in there. Uh, really? They felt like, yeah, they felt like they were, you know, completely on another planet. Wow. So they've seen things, uh, process complex problems and situations, and a really, really interesting range of experiences. Yeah, I really want to go do it. They have float, I think it's called float. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a high salt bath, mm. isn't it? Yeah. So that suspension is that yes. weightlessness. Yes, you feel like you're it. floating. Yeah. But what about the, um, have you tried those? Now I'm thinking about all these different <laughs> health things that are happening. There are all these different trends, but oh, you've got the. Them. Um, cryo. Oh yeah, the cryo chambers. Yeah, have you tried yeah, that? Yeah, I have not. I also want to. We should just go and just on do the them to-do all. List. Yeah, just put them all on the list and get them yeah. done. I'd love to do cryo. I've heard cryo is great. I love the cold, so yeah, feel like I'd be pretty good in the cold. But how cold is it though? Cold, like sub sub zero. Do you actually feel it? Like if yeah, that... no, you do. You do. You're in there I for see... like 45 yeah. seconds or 60 seconds or something. So when I see someone, so like a friend of mine on Instagram posted when he went and did this. And there was no face change. If it was that cold, I think I'd be like, hmm. Maybe like, he was trying to show. Maybe he was just trying uh, to look cool. Because, I mean, the people I've seen do it on TV and stuff have been like, ah, and jumping around and trying <laughs> to move their body. But the point is you need to feel the cold, so. Yeah. Also, sauna therapy. Oh, my gosh. I get really Infrared. Itchy. Yeah. You just I have to find your thing. I do want to try that. And I know it's good for you, but I, and I've yeah. heard that, like, once you get over 10 minutes, that's when the challenge, the mental yes. challenge happens. When you go, like, this is slightly uncomfortable, but I can do it. And if someone says to me, do it, it's good for you, I'll force myself to do it. Yeah. Like, I, I agree. remember, like, my mom would say, got to eat, oh, I can't remember if it was a vegetable, I just hate it. But I'd force myself to eat it, even yeah. though I felt like I wanted to throw up because yeah. I knew it was gonna be good for me. Yeah. So if someone says it's good for me, I'll just, just I'll just do it. Just get it done. Yeah. That's mental strength. Yeah. So right I want to give saunas a go, but I had this thing of like close. Yeah. Areas. It's only just sort of happened the past few years where I feel a little bit claustrophobic, and I'm like, oh, this is really uncomfortable. Oh. Yeah. So push I gotta I gotta get over that. Happened on a plane. Ooh, you yeah. Could, how the heck is one going to get off a plane? Ooh. I was in the back of the plane, mm. and I hate... I never sit at the back of the plane. I can't stand it. But, like, I was in the back of a plane. I was traveling by myself, and I was, like, right up against the window. And I was just like, oh. And I noticed when I get hot. Mm. It's when I get hot that this fear creeps in, mm. and all of a sudden, like, everything starts feeling tight, you, you're shortening in breath yeah. and 
Yeah, you just panic. You're describing every single plane experience I ever have. Kidding. No. Every single one. But I have a lot of rituals that I do before I get on the plane. The rituals have to happen quite mm. precisely, and I, and I feel really good about it. But I've, I've had moments. Very, probably the last moment was, yeah, it was well, late 2019 or something going to Melbourne or Sydney. And yeah, I had a tough one because I, I, without realizing was, was just, I arrived at the, at the time of boarding and I usually, I usually oh. arrive pre-boarding. I don't know what happened. They were boarding early and it threw me off because I couldn't take my travel motion sickness medicine, which usually puts me to sleep. Yeah. So I take it half an hour before boarding. By the time I get to boarding, I, I'm already doozy. Yeah. I put my, my wireless earphones in. I turn on my relaxation music, I have an acoustic pop playlist, which is really slow pop music, or John Mayer is a good go-to, and I sit back, I put my, my headphones in, my face mask on, my neck brace in, and I just, before they even take off, I like to fall asleep before they take off, sure. I, I like to wake up and we're already in the air and probably almost there, Nice. Um, okay. and that didn't happen this time, and I, I was, I was, there was a lot of breathing going on, and I was Ooh. feeling quite anxious, and, and like I wanted to just like run through the hallways you know I was pretty so can you watch a movie and distract yourself I find yeah I, distract I can do but I just like to be asleep and then I like to wake sure. up and watch something while I'm eating usually yeah. when I'm because I definitely force myself to eat and I have a little sign that says please wake me up for food <laughs> <laughs> because I definitely want to be woken up sometimes they've skipped me and I'm yeah no like ah oh, excuse me I know sleeping turn right back around I'm, bring the tray back plain anxiety <laughs> um but yeah it's interesting you feel quite you feel really successful when you can tackle moments of anxiety like that I think you feel really strong at the end of it you're like yeah. I made it <laughs> I, whenever I get to the destination <laughs> I'm like yes woo yeah we did it without hyperventilating <laughs> oh my god but that's yeah that's the one place where I really I have a lot of struggles on planes have you done um like business class or first class no I always do economy so I'm always like tight sardine packed in I have in. a feeling mm. that you won't experience that oh, I'm sure if you did the old upgrade if anyone's listening I'd love uh, some Qantas or Virgin Australia points <laughs> to warrant me getting into business class or first class <laughs> I usually travel for for business and it's usually always um economy for for mm. kind of volunteer activities I do yeah okay fair enough so it's you know but I'm I'm comfortable in economy it's the it's, it's the flying it's the being yeah. up in the air suspended I yeah I can't imagine that get any more those, space. Like, get those point system happening. I like, have the points. I've been waiting to like accumulate oh, yeah. enough. I've been flying four times a year, and now my points are suspended. Oh, it sucks. I know. Oh, all so gone. can't I like, travel. Damn. So I was just about to make a free business grade upgrade, oh. business class upgrade rather, but I nah, just missed it. It's no, okay. I, At some point, but I also think it's one of those things where. It's the kind of thing, you know, you, you either can afford to fly in business class or first class, or you just enjoy the luxury of flying in economy, which is a-okay. I, lo I love a bit of economy. Yeah. I feel really mm, comfortable in my seat. Yeah. You know, you bring your accessories, and all I'm doing is sleeping, so. Mm. No, I think it's like, even though I'm like five, four, yeah. I still <sighs> freak out. I don't want to know the luxury of business in first place. Oh, I don't want to know it. You know, if I can't do it, if I can't do it all the time, I don't want to know it. I don't want to know the things I that are not in my in my budget. <laughs> I don't. I rather not know about them unless I can do them all the time. Yeah, true. It's probably yeah. Okay, <laughs> avoid it. Yeah. 
That's right. Put it on another wish list. Yeah. December 2021. Yeah, December 2021. <laughs> when I get that that really big um book deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get my advance for the next. I got a flyover for signing. <laughs> yeah. To like Greece or somewhere really tropical and beautiful. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I better leave you to uh, get on with the rest of your day. So. Yeah. It's been but, such a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for joining. Covering all the topics. Yeah. Well, no t- no subjects to boot. No subject. Yeah, it's got to be done. Yeah, but thank you so much. And uh, we'll have you back in in 2020. Yeah. December. December 2021. Love it. To figure out what I ticked off my list. Mm, mm. And has she traveled in business class? Yeah. <laughs> Call me Qantas. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye. All right.